everybody. Welcome back to Pack Your Mics, the Top Chef podcast from the creators of Read It and Weep. Today we're talking about Season 18, Episode 5 of Top Chef, Meet Me at the Drive-In. I'm Alex, your host, uh, hanging out with me in Los Angeles. It's Megan. Hello. And we are joined, we have an all-California panel today. Um, Brooklyn is uh, too busy working, as Brooklyn does, but Californians, we take we take Sunday off. So joined in Northern California by Ez and Sarah. Hey, guys. Good morning. What's this? Kids are watching uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, the, the movie that covers two seasons, neither of which are very April. It's Mother's Day. Oh, a yeah, classic Mother's Day movie. Um, it's May. Oh, you're right. It is. It is May. Good point. Yeah. Uh, didn't you see? Didn't you see Justin Timberlake? He was telling you about it. He warned you. It did. Yeah, I should have seen this coming. But uh, I will. Wait, that is, doesn't change the fact that. <laughs> what is it? Mother's Day? No, not uh, it's next. Week. Next week's Mother's Day. Okay. okay. No. It's it next is. week. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Gotta get on that. Still, Amazon it's not a, okay. Okay, you guys gift. are all just okay. So the month was wrong, and the day of Mother's Day was wrong. But neither of you guys are acknowledging that Nightmare Before Christmas is not a Mother's Day movie. No, my point was that look, if we if they can celebrate Mother's Day for a quick fire in August, then clearly we can do oh. Nightmare Before Christmas. So if we record this and release it either on Halloween yes. or Christmas, it'll as sound you know, perfect. it's Christmas or <laughs> Halloween. It's Halloween must. <laughs> And rounding out our panel, uh, also in Los Angeles, it's new Sarah and Kyle in a relaxed position. How are you guys doing? Hello. So relaxed. Woof, woof. I'm relaxed. (laughs) Before we jump into the episode, uh, we have some, I guess, before we talk about the quickfire, we have a very exciting announcement that everyone knows but Sarah, I guess. Um, (laughs) So uh, we mentioned on the show many weeks ago that Bravo... And their sponsor, AT&T TV, were having a live event in Pasadena to watch this episode and that it was sold out. But at the last minute, we got off the waiting list and uh, Megan and I and Sarah and Kyle all got to watch this episode at a drive-in in Pasadena. That's awesome. It's really exciting. Wow. It was very, very cool. We also got to hang out together in a parking lot. We parked diagonally from each other on accident, and we got out of our car and talked at a safe distance until a rental rental security told us to stop. Nice. <laughs> yeah, very we were nicely. supposed to congregate. Yeah, he was really nice about it, and I was immediately like, I broke a rule. I will never recover from this, but it was fine. <laughs> They were very I'm glad clear. I wasn't the only one. They were very <laughs> clear we were not supposed to congregate, and I did anyway because I wanted to it's see you guys. Statement. Yeah, mm-hmm. understandable. In fact, our yeah. very last plans canceled before pandemic started was to see you guys, and so oh, the fact that it's our first thing we got in trouble for doing is very, it's very satisfying. We've yeah. come full, full circle. circle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was really so. It was really excellent, and we watched the episode. I will say one thing: it's going to be a little harder going through the podcast today is that I remember much less of this episode than any other one I've watched. Is that true mm. for you guys? Something about watching uh, it in a car. We just rewatched it this you morning because I recognized like, well, with the way the episode went, the other thing that Alex uh, forgot to mention, or yeah. probably because he didn't get to enjoy any of this, is uh, we were also served a five-course meal in our cars. Uh, of the or, food featured on the episode. No way. Yeah. Uh, the winning dishes, so it even spoiled the episode. I know it's a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> Once we that figured that out, it definitely wow. it definitely spoiled it. That we were like, well, we're only getting served half of these. I'm assuming they're the winners. Um, 
Uh, I posted pictures on our Instagram, but yeah, we got a little tasting menu. The only thing I noticed that was definitely different from that is that the popcorn that we got was chicken skin instead of duck skin. Um, Which makes sense. Which does make sense for a bunch of catering trucks. I assume the chefs were not there. It was just some catering trucks doing... Definitely not. Those are all like uh, food trucks that you can find around LA, including one that like frequently catered meals for our office. Uh, The tropical truck. Oh, stuff. Uh, they did good. They did good work, I assume. So Kyle was our official taster because the first four of five courses were meat based, including the popcorn, which was covered in skin, uh, which is not a vegetarian friendly way to do popcorn. But Kyle, how was the food? Oh man, <laughs> uh, the food was good. I wouldn't call it great. Like it was hit or miss, and like uh, with the the most the hardiest thing, they gave us these like boxes that were made out of like some like wood they, they're they're sort of like very thin like bamboo-y like processed bamboo uh, yeah stuff, everything was yeah all the sur- silverware was bamboo i assume that this was like an eco-friendly version of cardboard or something yeah but they were sturdy uh, also everything was everything was labeled so i still have top chef nap uh, cocktail napkins i'm very pleased we with might, we Ooh. might frame them i might frame them i'm very <laughs> pleased with this whole setup um anyway so uh, we brought our boxes over to kyle to continue so you got you got three boxes got, he got four boxes right, so because he had mine too <laughs> did you eat all of it um well uh, well here's the thing so uh, there are four dishes inside the box. You had the Korean fried chicken, uh, mm-hmm. then the, the popcorn duo, a hot senior style hot dog, and then the unidentified Dominican object. Uh, so I ate the Korean fried chicken. Great. I just didn't eat the mayonnaise-based kimchi uh, dipping sauce. Oh, oh, so oh well, you get, wait, mayonnaise. I didn't realize that. You should have given us the dipping sauce. We could have just had the kim, mayonnaise kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just drink four four cups of dipping sauce. Yeah. On that was the vegetarian option. Uh, but that was the thing is uh, a lot of these had like mayonnaise based things. Like this new mm. hot dog had a lot of mayonnaise on it. Mm. Uh, so I had to like. When it says all the fixings, it means all the mayonnaise. Yes, mayonnaise, caramelized onions, tomatoes, and mustard. Uh, so like I was able to pull the hot dog out and like ignore the mayonnaise. Uh, <laughs> and it was actually so really good. The three of us didn't eat the box and they put mayonnaise on all of your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I, uh, I Listen, I ate all the sausages. You did? Okay, uh, good. Between Thursday night, I only had one sausage on Thursday and then the rest was lunch on Friday. Nice. <laughs> three on Friday? <laughs> yeah, three for lunch. I chopped them up and put it in soup. Oh, yeah, fun. Yeah. Nice. Soupsage. Uh, but the sausage they had was really good. It was a very flavorful sausage that, ha- sausage that had lots of, like, herbs inside. I don't know what because they didn't say on the menu, but it was, like, a very flavorful pork sausage wrapped in bacon. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. Not, so, presumably not handmade, which was one of the in, – in a very brief period of time, which was her trick. I They might have gotten a custom sausage. I, it, because of, like, the size of the sausages, it wouldn't – I wouldn't – think it was obviously something that i've seen at a grocery store or something so they could i have no idea where it came yeah from. so size related because this comes up for me whenever i talk about free food um the box seemed like a decent amount of food like if i had if you were if you had not eaten dinner you'd probably be okay right oh i definitely would have yeah and i did have dinner so like i ate <laughs> I just had like a stack of things like when we got home it was like an hour of like putting all this into like uh Tupperware in our fridge to I save. Love it. The one, th- um, so the one thing that we got to eat was that the fifth course was, of course, Sarah's horny milkshake. So 
uh, the chocolate hazelnut milkshake with strawberry miso whip, which I got one and a half of because I enjoyed it more than Megan did. Yeah. I, I was really into it. The miso whip I thought was really excellent and like it was the most savory whipped cream I've ever had and I thought a really nice contrast. If you didn't know it was miso, would you have said, hmm, miso? I would not have known it was miso, but I would have known that it was savory and that was a uh-huh. fun twist. I, I might have liked it then. Sarah, what did you think? You're making a face. I, I don't, well. Sarah doesn't my, like whip. My, yeah, uh-huh. so in general, I'm not a whipped cream person. This is psychotic, <laughs> I know. the worst tasting menu. None I know, of this I know. <laughs> I know but, Ezra and I should have been there to hear. Really, you should have been. I thought the milkshake itself was delicious. Uh, I love the freeze-dried strawberries. Um, the whip was really interesting. It was very, it just tasted very salty to me overall. Mm-hmm. With a full disclaimer that my taste buds are all out of whack at the moment. But like it I didn't love the whip by itself. I liked it in combination with everything else, but I ended up leaving a decent amount of that in the cup just because it wasn't my favorite. Mm -hmm. Just overall, though, the experience of eating the food that was being served on the show is surreal and really interesting. I I have to believe that the food they had in the show tasted, like, significantly better than what we got, though. Right. Based on the things they had, like, the pupusa that was in the box drastically different than the one that was on the show. It was really thin, not this like big, like chunky boy. Uh, it was like very thin and had like the jerk meat, like through the middle, like a line through the middle. Yeah. And it was fine, but it didn't. So we, it, we, it didn't we had the a, like wedding caterer version of what they were serving on TV. Yes. All the same ingredients, not necessarily the same techniques. Yeah. It was more the, the, gimmicky experience not the culinary experience yes i think that's true it was and it was a lovely so they we had a uh, a drive-in photo booth which i liked i thought was cute um they mm-hmm. got a picture of our car um they also gave us branded free, with at&t of course. and bravo at 8 p.m on on the picture we also got headley and bennett uh masks uh for free which was very lovely all i should buy it for free um tickets were a dollar with a dollar six ticketing fee, so it's still the highest percentage fee I've ever paid on a ticket, <laughs> but overall inexpensive. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, the mask real, real, was lovely. Well, do you think this is going to create unrealistic expectations for like ATT TV um, in the future, where you will have food and swag with everything you you watch? Um, no, I don't have any expectations for ATT. How could you at this point? I do think that American Telephone and Telegraph Television does seem like a crazy name for a product. They already make ATVs now, also, just for the record. What? Like, can they make ATV? So it's an ATV, ATT TV. AT&T TV would have to make the ATV. Yes. Well, no, it would be ATV. We'd have to go to an ATM and get money to pay for it. You get your AT&T ATV embedded with the TV. <laughs> or at least one TV, probably three to four. <laughs> so that they get, they're getting their branding worth from all of us. Um, the other thing that we had, I, the only thing we had besides just watching the episode at that point was that we also got a 15-minute um, Zoom call before the show um, with Padma, Tom, and Gail, which uh, Gail seems like she could afford better internet. 
than that. Her syncing with her lip syncing was all off. She had weird delays. It was and it was clearly pre-recorded. So like they could have just done a better job. But Wait, where was she gone from? Were you on the Zoom? I'm confused. No, no, they was it was like the three of them were having a Zoom and then they'd record screen recorded it and sent and okay. played Got it for it. us. Um, I'm not sure. They might have been doing that live. I mean, I, I'm not absolutely certain it was pre-recorded. I'm I'm pretty confident. Um, but it was it was it was fun because uh, the I guess the most interesting things they said. Well, basically they were begging for Emmys. It was a 15 minute Zoom call of them asking, please, please give us an Emmy. Which Dude, I was give, give them Emmy them already. Yeah, do I'm, it. Was, stop stop hanging out. I think this event was initially for the TV voter, like TV yes. Academy voters, and then we were just like filling, like we were seat fillers. Yeah, but also uh, eat fillers. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, give us food. We'll fill seats. Yeah. Um, Man, what an L.A. thing. This is how much food they have to give you to get you to come to a cool thing. Are Emmys that great? Like, there was, I will say, yes. during, okay, the, thanks. during the pre-show, there was a little trivia game that was mostly easy. It was like, fill in the blank, pack your knives and blank. It was like not hard trivia. But then one of the questions was like, how many Emmys have they been nominated for? And it was like 30-something. And the person in the car next to us, windows was down enough that they were like, how many did they win, though? One? So there was a nice, like, scoffing wow. tone to the crowd of their living. That person's a voter. I guarantee it. They were, you could look around and see the nice cars, and I was like, there's the TV Academy people. Oh, interesting. Like, we were next to a convertible, and I was like, these have to be TV Oh, people. yeah, yeah. I, I appreciated that, though, because the convertible was easy to see over. TV um, people hating their hard tops, loving their... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe this was enough food to get people to get them another Emmy. The other thing they said, though, so Padma was really embarrassed about the interstitial oh, movie really? things. Um, yes. They were pretty bad, but and, in a great way. But in a great way, yeah. And Gail and Tom just kept talking about how amazing it was for them because they didn't know it was happening. They didn't know she'd uh. recorded those ahead of time. So when they played those at the drive-in, the, the other judges lost their minds. They thought that was the most amazing thing was- they'd ever seen. It was fantastic. And she was mortified? She was a little mortified. <laughs> yeah, she said it was an end of the day thing where the producers pitched her this idea and she's like, sure. And you can it definitely has that like it's one AM and we just finished yeah. this table vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but I loved them. I think she was more mortified at Tom like making sure everyone knew that even though they were in the same car at the drive-in, they did not make out. Yeah, Tom was very it was very important to Tom that we know that he did not make out uh with Padma and we probably could have guessed that. Yeah. Thanks Tom. That question did not cross my mind at all. When, when he first said it, I, I thought it was a little gross, but then at the end of it, they also said like, don't fog up your windows too much. And so I guess maybe if you're a certain age, a drive-in movie means making out in a way that I had forgotten, I guess, or didn't know. I mean, I think we know that Tom was only hot and heavy for those s'mores, right? That was the only, that was the only thing that he really, like, that was his only love in the, in the, in the car. Uh, yeah, he definitely would have taken that back to his place or theirs. Um, uh, wait, wait, wait. Real quick, deep dive. Yes. Tell me what a s'mores home looks like. Well, you, now, this is not just any s'mores. This is a space s'mores. So okay. it's obviously it's a, a space yeah. station. It's a little, like, a little tent made out oh. of graham cracker. <gasps> On Mars, I was. <laughs> That's exactly was what it is. Say, Thank you. A, I was going to say a volcanic asteroid. So it's like oh. an asteroid hurtling through space, but like it's molten lava on the inside, mm. and you go down to a little cave, and like it's got a den and like. <laughs> That's very some big. Furs, space like space furs set up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, asteroids are big enough to destroy Earth, and a lot of little. <laughs> 
Yeah. But an asteroid can be the size of Texas. Yeah, I, okay. But like the Emmy question, how many times have they destroyed Earth? Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> One. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> how many Earths have they destroyed? <laughs> All right. So let's get into the details of the episode now. So that was our uh, experience at the Rose Bowl, which was perfect because we were hanging out at the Rose Bowl while the episode started talking about roses. So, and it's time to honor one of Portland's many nicknames, the City of Roses, uh, which Pasadena also thinks are the City of Roses, but I did some Googling. It's definitely Portland got there first on that one. And Pasadena, Pasadena is technically City of Crowns, which I don't care that much about, so I'm not, I didn't Ooh. go deeper into that. Um, but Rose City uh, is Portland's thing since the 1880s. And there, so we're honoring that, and also honoring Mother's Day uh, in August. So the chefs have to mar a mar- maternal memory by making a dish ruined by the taste of flowers. Sarah and Maria both wonder if a salad by any other name would still taste as bad. They're on the bottom for using too much of the bad flavor, while Nelson didn't use enough bad flavor, so he has a thorny time <laughs> as well. Meanwhile, life is rosier for Byron, whose crab salad claws him to the top for the first time, and Gabe's turbot is another success in his budding superstardom, but Chris's porridge is just what Mama likes, so he gets the win. Guys, first of all, have you ever enjoyed rose flavor? In desserts, yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Those were both unabashed. Those were both quick. Would you say that you like rose flavor? I like it if it's subtle and if it's in a sweet dish, and that's the only situation. Because I feel like none of the chefs, like, this seemed like none of them were pleased. It's like a creamy, yogurty, ice cream. I don't know. There's a Malaysian drink. It was like rose dang and susu. It's like just like rose syrup and like just milk. milk. Mm. And that was, it's fun if you want to have a pink drink. Uh, (laughs) That's uh, sure. Like chug, you know, a lot daily. I would say it's a once in a while. I've had it sometimes. Yeah, it, it's a thing for me that like I'd never want something because of the rose flavor. Like if the mm. best thing, the best option also had rose in it, that wouldn't be enough to like turn me away. But I, I'm never seeking out the rose dessert if there's a triple chocolate dessert. Right. Yeah. It's have not you, a crowd. Do you guys have Phil's coffee? Down we do. Yeah. There? Yes. They have a rose coffee, and I actually have intentionally ordered that, and it's good. It was like <laughs> it, it's like it's like ordered it. That's a big compliment. It's it's, it's like it's it's like rosé though or something. I remember. Well, they call it rosé, but it is a rose. Yeah, it's a rose syrup infused yes. coffee. Oh, okay. And that that they pour from their one hand to the other at great height. Yes, that's the Phil's thing. Um, you guys cool know, it that's down. the thing Phil's do. They they make your coffee and then they cool it down by pouring it like three feet away from one cup to another back and forth. Oh. They're like, now it's the right temperature for drinking. That's We're Phil's with a Z. And the right height again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's fun and probably not at all a gimmick. So uh, the one, th- I, I guess maybe because it's such a scary flavor, this was the most I think I've like recoiled whenever people added an ingredient. But every time they showed them adding more, I was like, oh, that's the end. You've lost. It's very scary. Well, and that was the case for Sarah. It's like she was like, all right, I need a little bit more. Yep. Douse it a little bit, and then it's way too much. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, yeah, Nelson didn't have enough, and his, his beans tasted like beans, and so they were mad about that. Um, Does anyone else have a dish that's like, like a, I guess, a food item where it's like the right amount is great, and anything more or less than that is garbage? 
Well, I will say, I don't think less than that is garbage. Less than that would be ideal. It's just not right for this challenge. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if there's an, another ingredient that is this much of a disaster if you go a tiny bit over. Truffle, in my opinion. Yeah, but you don't, yeah, you don't like a little truffle either. I mean, I could take this. There's like, there, I think there is a sweet spot. Oh, okay. I haven't really found it often ever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but some other people seem to like it enough that I think it exists. Um, I mean, maybe. Um, uh, for me, it would be one. like hot sauce. Oh, like sure. Hot sauce could go over. Yeah, spice yeah. for sure. Uh, I take cardamom. Like, yeah. oh, like, agreed. That was a good, yeah. Yeah, cardamom it, I gets like intense. It, it's not the, something that you can really add, but it's it's like if you just do it too early or yeah. do too much at the top, like it just there's no coming back from it. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's like nutmeg for me because you know how you can put nutmeg in like savory things. Yeah, and the spinach stuff. You're like oh, over over nutmeg. If, it, if you overdo it, it's yeah. bad. Yeah. Um, well, I I guess I. Now I like it. Now that we've talked about it, I, I was I didn't enjoy it while I was watching it because it seemed like they didn't like any of like no one was having that much fun. But it does sound like kind of an exciting ingredient now when you describe it this way. Um, yeah, game thought, of chicken. Yeah, I thought Byron's uh, crab dish looked and sounded like really good. It looked that, that beautiful. Was His little uh, round crab pile. Yeah. yeah, and like thinking of rose with crab, I've definitely never had that before, but that interested me a lot. Yeah, yeah, that was intriguing. And then, yeah, Chris's uh, porridge also looks pretty good to me. Um, so going back to the, going to the stories of people talking about their moms. Oh yes, I sort of wish like uh, going back to Portland Gabriel, the mm-hmm. season's most like easily to frame as problematic contestant. Yeah, um, I kind of wish he had like played into his bad relationship with his mom and made like a disgusting dish. <laughs> And said, "This is what I served my mother. We do not have a good relationship." A shaky, a shaky relationship outside because he ended up making the crudo for his sisters. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, thought that was really sweet, and they were very, they were very yeah, careful. Chaos. He made. He's like, when my sister was pregnant, all she wanted to eat was raw fish, so I would make this for her. And I was like, this seems backwards. <laughs> <laughs> or did Missing I the point? That? Or maybe, yeah. maybe she she wanted to, but she couldn't, and so this would be in celebration after she yeah. had her baby. Uh. I would hope and assume that was the case, because I was like, Gabriel, you got to read some stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, is is it true that is there is there an amount of curing that would work? Is there a fish that counts? Is snapper different? I haven't read enough about this. There's a couple things I think that you, I, I mean, from what I remember, like yeah, the mercury count is one of the things that would be a, a possible issue. Our kid needs bathroom help. Mm. Um, <clears throat> uh, but but yeah, I also do remember um, like you know in, in Japan, I feel like women eat like you know like raw fish, like mm-hmm. kind of like going through the pregnancy. It's it's like it's a it's a risk level you can be comfortable with. Yeah, it's just a gamble. It's just a yeah. gamble whether or not you're going to get a foodborne illness. Yeah. But that, that's, right. that's always the case with raw fish, right? And it's delicious. Yeah, right? And so, uh, yeah, roll, roll those dice on, on, on those fish. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think if yeah, maybe if, if it was more of the, the ceviche direction, right, uh, then, then maybe it'd be good if it would kill some of the, the bad stuff. Shrug? Yeah. I don't know. Um, don't, I, don't test it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like, though, that they were careful and they were like, it's a Mother's Day challenge, so celebrate a maternal figure for yourself and so i thought actually gabriel was like not the best relationship with my mom but my sister's rule and so i'm gonna make one for my sister i thought that was really sweet so i thought he uh i guess we had i think i had a neutral day on gabriel because i that made me like I, I really liked that about him and then there were two different people who mentioned 
by the way, Gabriel's kind of hard to work with in a way that was like polite and professional, but clear that they didn't enjoy it. So it was not drama heavy. Um, so I feel like, yeah, not a great edit for Gabriel. Well, he was micromanaging people's dishes he on was, his yeah. team yep. when it was truly a collaborative team challenge where he was going head to head with someone who wasn't even near him. Yeah. So it was a really odd choice, but it's also like, I mean, they're selectively editing, of course, but I'm always going to be eye rolly whenever a professional chef tells another professional chef things like, uh, make sure those shallots taste good. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was that, very like Stefan from, yep. yeah. Yeah, that was very, it was very mansplainy that he was like, look, I know you have uh, nominated Fred James Beard, but have you heard about how to taste food? It was really awful. It, I think it was much worse than his thing with Dawn, where they were actually making a dish together and he maybe had a say in it. This was like, you're making your own dish and you're telling me how to eat shallots. It's weird. Not a great yeah. look. I, I, I do like the idea of like maybe not in this universe, but an alternate one where someone's like, I forgot to make sure they tasted good. I'm really glad Gabriel reminded me. <laughs> this was a close one. It's a very, a little bit of a stretch to get to that being a compliment, <laughs> but I'll take it. Well, and also like as uh, that's, this is just uh, Gabriel's way of like trying to tell people not to fall into top chef traps of like, Hey, remember to taste your food. Mm-hmm. Cause that's something that they'll burn you for. Like he he's, tr- I'm sure he means it in a constructive way, but it comes across yeah. In a non-constructive way. That, yeah, I think. Language is explaining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the um, going back to a few episodes ago with the black pepper thing. Yeah. I like. I think. Me, yeah, yeah. Maybe he doesn't mean it that way. It just comes across. Yeah, the tone uh, really, is an issue. Really annoying. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wanted. I was ready to defend him on the pepper thing because I. Like I got what I th- he meant to be saying, but this one it's hard to figure out what he could have meant that was reasonable. Um, it, yeah, I guess maybe it's like don't forget to taste your food; they'll ding you for it. But like, come on, I, it is also weird that when you get exclusively executive chefs and put them on teams, I understand that that's a little weird mm-hmm. too. Is that his day to day life is reminding his chefs basic things? But yeah, yeah. Um, anything left on the rosé before we continue the rest of our all day? That one was off the cuff. All right, great. Now moving <laughs> on. You're stunned silent. Podcast <laughs> listeners, there were smiles around the Zoom call. There were. Um, we liked it. It was that was not the bad silence. That was a good one. We just didn't have anything to add. Right. Um, so, uh, inspired by one of Shoda's, um, I think one of my favorite things someone said on the show, where uh, he said, "This is all too complicated. Just let us cook food." Um, I that is my my mantra for the day. Just let them cook food. I thought the rose was a little harsh uh, when you could just cook food. But let's jump into our elimination challenge. I like so. also that Shota takes that that issue to begin with and then decides to like essentially launch John Wick with his, uh, um, <laughs> with his next John dish. John Wick dish. Oh, my God. All right. So let me explain the challenge. Like so many of my fellow performers during pandemic, Top Chef decides the key to making money is doing shows in parking lots. So the chefs have to cook for a pop-up drive-in movie theater projected on the side of the Portland Expo Center. Um, which we have attended a pop-up drive-in movie there. Mm-hmm. Um, very fun. So the chefs must cook food for 50 cars. Cars love food. Um, extra virgin motor oil, that kind of thing. Anyway, sorry, that joke is exhausting. All right. Beep, so, beep. Uh, <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> um, anyway, because it's mo- loosely movie-themed, each team gets six movie genres, comedy, drama, action, sci-fi, horror, romance, and they must make dishes that have nothing at all to do with those genres. The judging is complicated and done entirely from inside BMWs. 
Um, but it's done in a head-to-head voting. Maybe everybody votes? Unclear. Um, that's how it's going. But as long as you know, they're inside BMWs. So that's the most important thing. Um, Portland Gabriel's tots are out of action. Chris's dramatic take on being messy deserves a good ribbing. And Gabe's cup of fish is horrible. Um, <laughs> while Avishar is legitimately from space, but that's not good enough to make people want some more of his goody burnt stuff. And Jamie's chicken is so bad, it's funny. And she gets sent home. Meanwhile, Sarah's horny milkshake brings all the boys to her yard. Dawn's duck skin corn really pops. Maria's hot dog is action packed with flavor. Shoda's dead cheese dog is also bad, but it's slightly better than Gabe's cup of fish, so he's safe. And Nelson's unidentified Dominican object abducts a point for the yellow team, while Byron's Korean fried chicken is comedy gold, so he gets a $10,000 plot twist. And that is the drive-in movie challenge. One, well done. To Sarah and I were wondering how are you going to talk about uh, uh, Jamie's, uh, I guess, like uh, uh, bad stuff with using her sound effects. We were like wondering where you're going. Yeah, we what, thought the sound effects were going to happen during the summary. Yeah, that's a good idea. I did have a joke about that in the Last Chance Kitchen. Um, okay, uh, we didn't so, say anything. So Moving yeah, on. we'll just we'll just hang on for this. It would have been good here too, but I definitely I was like I thought I had one there. It is. It's in the Last Chance Kitchen setup. Great. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and actually, like to be totally fair to her, uh, Jamie is going. It's the second undercooked chicken that gets somebody sent home, but hers was ordered by her fellow chefs to be undercooked. Yeah, and they did not make much of how badly she was uh, served by her own team. I found. Uh, I have thoughts on this that we can discuss in last year's kitchen. I, I feel like because of how like quirky and liked she was, I feel like if she was permanently going home this would have been a more sadder oh, sadly edited episode oh interesting you think the tone of the edit of her going home means she's coming right back next week i have a feeling that like it'd be more like gra- there'd be more gravitas to it if she w- this is the last time she was going to be on the show more backstory they didn't give any backstory this episode no. for her right yeah. no instead You're we so got right that's such a great point i agree but instead we got a lot of backstory um, in in the first real misleading edit of the season, I think we got a lot of Maria's backstory, and then mm-hmm. and she was on the OK top. Yeah, she, she got she got she feedback. Had a good arc though, she yeah. Did, yeah, her arc was wanting feedback, and she achieved it, and it brought, she, she was very happy about it. Uh, yeah, she she got the top for a ton of hard work. Yes, yeah, yeah, mostly for hustle. I liked that a lot. I was so I was more nervous than a normal phone call home because it historically, I believe, in addition to calling your family being a kiss of death, if you're mad about being in the middle too many times, you usually break out down. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's like a, a monkey's paw kind of wish. Very right? monkey's paw wish, is I want feedback and you only get the negative kind. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so that was very misleading and surprising. Okay, did any of these dishes meet the brief? No, and I was yes! really disappointed and actually... This was like, so we, we texted our, our parents to let them know we were at this drive-in thing. And my parents, who never watch any television, actually watched Top Chef live on Thursday because they were curious what we were watching. Oh, fun. My mom, this was like my 25 mom, minutes before the episode. They were like, drop everything, watch Top Chef. Yeah, and, and then, uh, this is such a lovely kind of support that also doesn't take that much. It was so nice. And then my mom like texted me yesterday. was like, how was it? So I called her to talk through it. And she was like, I just wish they had made food that was more movie related. So. <laughs> yeah. You know, even even the total Top Chef newbies are like, 
not not quite what we asked for. Oh, no, no, it wasn't. It, it it was what they asked for. The problem was they asked for an absurd amount because it was like make food that embodies movies, but you can also eat in a car while watching a movie. So these are two drastically different challenges that were like laid on top of one. Mm. So you think that if it didn't, if it could be messy, it could have been really sci-fi or action, like knife yeah. and fork. Knife and forky, at least. Well, that's fair, yeah. Especially for horror, you could do something that you cut into and it has a red yeah, sauce inside or whatever. Yeah, like, remember that Charlie's Theron? Yeah, yes. we'll, sure. we'll, we'll never yeah. forget. We will never forget. But the highlight also, of my wait, life. But also, also, <laughs> yeah, it was a great episode. But also remember the episode where they had to do, like, horror things on a plate and, like, eight of them made Arancini, right? They no, all, that was yeah. the, that oh, was yeah, the that Halloween, Halloween one. Party. Yes, the Halloween <laughs> one where they all made rice balls and it was like, these don't look like eyes that much. Stop it. But I, I'd say like a lot of people didn't get the brief, but some of the best dishes definitely did. Like Don's popcorn, and I didn't mention this when talking about the menu, that popcorn they made was great. Yeah. Because uh, it's like caramel corn with like dried seaweed and uh, furicot. I never, is it furicot? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so like it's all these like interesting seasonings on top of good caramel corn. Yeah. Plus duck skin. Duck skin. So like it's savory and spicy and sweet and also this like sort of like vinegary flavor. Uh, and like I like that as an embodiment of action. Okay. It, it, Here's it, the problem. It, like, that was drama. No, drama. <laughs> drama. <laughs> I think that I think that proves the point a little bit. That's a great movie drive-in themed dish, and it's the fact that she made yes. popcorn that was Top Chef level is incredible. Yeah, but I don't know that it's dramatic. It's just movie related. So there are two though that I can think of, and it's the two sweet dishes. I think Avatar's um, mm-hmm. ice cream yeah. was definitely sci-fi, and yeah. also very appropriate to the challenge. Which is why I like Tom. He was made shocked. dibs. He didn't, yeah, yeah, he made dibs. He Perfect. Made, Technical, yeah. technically advanced dibs. As someone who true. loves once every year getting dibs and eating them all before the trailers start, <laughs> I appreciated that. And um, Sarah's milkshake is yeah. well, very, again, very car appropriate. And it was really, I thought it was really sweet. I mean, she made it very horny sounding, but it's like the, the image of sharing a milkshake. Yeah, all she had yeah. to do, the all my, all my major criticism, was all she had to do is give each person two straws in the yeah. milkshake. It's COVID, man. <laughs> no, but you don't, each person gets their milkshake, but it just has two straws in it. That would uh, make it romance. It would oh, be what about the turtles. Too the disappointment on Esther's face. <laughs> it's COVID. <laughs> But they're already sharing a car, and Tom and Padma might have been making out, given how much he protested. I I feel like that's the that makes it the most perfect romance thing, and he and she yes. missed that opportunity. You you want her to kill one extra turtle for every every car is what you're saying. Oh, don't make me do this. Two extra turtles. They're, uh, they were bio straws. I don't know if they had them in the episode, but all the ones we got were definitely like okay. I take are, it back. Are, yeah, um, actively bamboo. disintegrating or whatever. Yeah, they were all yeah. yeah. Actually, okay. and I will say that like that was one thing. Part of, when we got into discussing this, it was hard to remember the episode because they served the food right when all the food was being served in the episode. Right, which makes sense, so, but also was very distracting. Distracting. Oh my but, god. Uh, I was all I could think about was the fact that we had those like bamboo style like fork and spoons. Yeah, yeah. like oh, they taste like splinters. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> I hate them so much. I and, like, and then it, the straws. It, the straws taste like you're drinking through a pixie stick. You can feel it gumming up as you're going. 
<laughs> but but you save so many turtles. You don't. You don't. That's not what. Oh, I hate it. Oh man, I hate. Oh, this, Alex, uh, kill all the turtles now. If you watch that video, the turtle is fine. And also, <laughs> that's one well, turtle got a headache. Thousands of turtles were killed by fishing gear that same year. Our our plastic has nothing to do with sea life. It's to be all fair, fishing I don't gear. Use is fishing all the gear plastic to drink either? So <laughs> that's true. Good I'm doing you. my part. I, the, the the straw thing is such a fake problem. That's not what's actually di- dangerous. All of the plastic in the ocean is from fishing. I was more mad at the wooden fork and spoon that it's they had. It's so unpleasant. I hate it. Yeah. Like, I had to have a gummy straw, then, like, a spoon where I have to, like, rub my lips across this, like, rough surface <laughs> to take every bite. Like, it's either, like, rub my lips across it or rub my teeth across it. And, like, I have sensitive, like, I, I can't stand wooden forks and spoons. Guys. They are awful. Good news. In the future, we're all just going to have, like, a, a refillable camelback. Which we use for our food, like you know, we uh, drink our food out of a camel backpack. Yeah, and which is, and we so there's no forks and, and, and no straws, and we're just good. It just like maybe we'll have that like does, a blender that 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 into yeah. the camel back also. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I was I was gonna say we need to start a company that makes bamboo fishing products. <laughs> <laughs> Give those turtles some splinters. See how they like it. That's a good idea. Um, I yeah, the straw thing really irritates me um, in general. And I Megan made it seem like I probably shouldn't talk about it, and then I did because you mentioned turtles, especially one turtle got a headache and I like said ruined the year you of were, us drinking. You were Rejection. saying yourself that you shouldn't talk about it, and then you did. So this is an internal uh, maybe a tr- debate. It's an internal struggle. <laughs> we'll make it inside of. Alex, do you have like? Mind. Yeah, does he have a beautiful mind style? <laughs> like best friend that gives him advice that is just Megan. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second, my pop that he never here. ages. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if I've mentioned this. I I am single and alone, and uh, this is just another voice I do sometimes Aww. on the podcast. You do a really good job making us be able to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, how? Because I believe it. That's the key. Are we sure that we're not also part of Alex's projection? Oh, it's God. not. No, there was no way my mind's that beautiful. Um, <laughs> I okay. Back to this challenge and meeting the brief. The uh, the one that like especially I thought was irritating was that the person who really I thought met the brief of horror was Shoda, and they were all too horrified, and they were mad at him. He gave them well, legitimately a horror thing. But it also tasted bad. That's the thing, right? Yeah, well, like, that's that true. Like, like a the, good the dish that dog. won arguably did, did not meet any sort of comedy brief, but it was a great dish that was appropriate to eat in the car. Yeah, I'm, and, yeah I, I would love to, because Jamie's losing chicken dish, she had a reason behind comedy, or behind, yeah, for comedy chicken. She was like, funny bone, rubber chickens. And the Korean fried chicken made zero effort at being comedy. They had no reason why it was comedic. He was like, I'm not funny, but maybe this will make you smile. It, it was I, a pun because it was KFC. Hilarious. <laughs> K, it's a different K. That's what we did. I mean, it was so weak. I mean, not. I, I should say, I should be clear right now because I'm sure because someone's going to ask in the mailbag. I have no idea what you do that is comedy. I don't know what a hilarious genre thing here is. I think All you right, find... Well, yeah. Well, I think, okay, so if they could, I don't think they could do this, but you find, like, a specific movie, and, like, you kind of, like, you find a tie-in to that, that, right? Where it's, like... Yeah, yeah, well, so, right, so somebody, they actually, somebody mentioned White Castle on the show. If they had made little White Castle-style sliders, that's a famous comedy that I think people could appreciate the fun of. Or, like, an apple pie with a hole in it. Oh, <laughs> gross. Oh. Gross. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> For 
romance. romance. Uh, for horror, if it's all of them, it's action. It's, <laughs> it's real. Definitely. Uh, I can't even think of a good joke for this because I'm still caught on this KFC thing. That just blew my mind. I did not put that together at all. And I've been staring at this menu. Yeah. Yeah. He did mention it, but it was like without a sense of humor when he said it. So I didn't realize he meant it as a joke. Yeah. That's a weird stretch. But yeah, pie with a hole in it is absolutely the right idea. You definitely nailed that. That's the comedy option. Wouldn't it be great if they just went for, it was just six pies with holes in them. That's all they did for all of them. Different sized holes. Different sized holes. The romance one was larger. Yes. <laughs> Sci-fi, it was like twisty. Anyway, uh, um, this is gross. This is real gross. Uh, but I think only the people who are going to get it are going to be into it. So that's fine. Um, the, I think... I think Avishar did a good job with sci-fi because he knows because he worked at WD-40. Did we know that before this episode? No, I think that was broken this up. That was incredible. What a great, like considering how many times we've heard that Gabriel worked for Tom, we never heard that he worked for Wiley. That's so interesting. Maybe the producers have like bad blood with Wiley. This is a sign that they don't want to, I I am completely manufacturing this drama, but but given how many former judges they have bad blood with, it makes sense. I, like maybe they just don't want to give Wiley Dufresne any more. Uh, we haven't seen him for time. a very long time. Yeah, there's a lot of people we haven't seen, and usually there's a good reason. So I hope that's not true with Wiley as well. But, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to assume. Let's that. not start this rumor right now. No, um, Kyle's Dumois. He doesn't fact check. <laughs> no, I'm food moi. Oh no. <laughs> Um, I think probably drama would be the hardest um, one of these to do. Oh, you know what? You guys remember another good dish that's genre related was um, Blaze's confused tofu from the Chicago improv episode where he made tofu deep fried in animal fat. Um, I think you could do something like that or like a banana scallop even that could be part of, I don't know, surprising. That could be sci-fi or action or comedy maybe if you think irony I feel, well, I, think, I feel like if you did the banana scallop and served it to blaze he would be like that'd be pretty funny everyone tries to do this uh yeah. and i came up with the idea yeah well that would be good for movies they're mostly sequels and derivatives yeah, oh, yeah that's true we also got to think about the fact that they also were doing like a six course menu so like yeah. when you're with dramatic you have to be the second thing right and like i'd for dramatic like that almost be something you'd want to be like first or like last because then you can make something that looks dramatic or tastes dramatic. Uh, That's what I liked about Don's popcorn is like, it did have, like I said, action when I was describing it, but like it, the, the complexity and the, the variety of things is very dramatic. It was dramatically seasoned. popcorn. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that. I don't know about this hot dog action business, but she did work hard. There's action in there, but obviously the worst tie in of all was Gabriel's, action of dipping two sauces he, yeah that, that's the cra- well the crazy thing about this it is it's like a choose your adventure that's literally a book yeah that is not a movie thing i'm pretty sure i understand well, it is now on yeah there's, there's on the okay netflix. Take two netflix options but not called that yeah he was like no you get it it's like action it's like choose your own adventure that's not none of that no. gabriel come on uh, it's, you know, it's like encyclopedia brown when you have to figure out what's yeah. at the end of it why why I, that guy Eat, eat the blueberries. I wonder if, like, for action, if there'd be something of, like, a uh, fruit salad. And it's like, you know, in a car chase, when a car goes through the fruit stand on the side of the road, this is all the fruit that was blown up by that car. Oh, that's fun. I, I like, like that. that. It's, it's all smashed it's a, fruit salad with tire tracks. Glass, 
uh, like uh, just a full pane of like a uh, glass has been like a well, sugar uh, glass. Yeah, sugar, sugar glass. glass. Oh, okay. yeah. That's All right. Um, so Jamie goes home for her bad chicken. Um, how many hankies for Jamie? It seems like maybe less now that we know Kyle can predict the future. I was sad, though, because she really was my favorite. Um, mm. I... I just thought her energy was really fun in the kitchen and she was making really cool, interesting food too. Um, and she was doing pretty well on the technical side of things until this moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like, her, like but I was also, this was a terrifying team because it also had Sarah and Shoda on it. And um, I didn't want either of them to lose. And Nelson, I've seen the least of, so I was probably okay with him. Cause I'm not sure I've seen him on this season at all yet, but but with Chris having immunity, it was just like there were just not a lot of good options. Wasn't wasn't Gabriel on that team too? Though? Yeah, Gabriel's yeah. on that team too, and I didn't mention that because I like him and I feel like no one else does, so I didn't want to be too much yeah. of a stand. I mean, I don't I don't dislike him. I'm I'm not buying into the villain edit really, but I also no. wanted it to be him who went home because I thought that would be more fair, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, he yeah. really did blow it on this. His his soggy cauliflower tots is so unpleasant sounding. But yeah. it's still not the most unpleasant sounding dish. We haven't talked about the churro filled with liver. Um, oh. Yeah, let's talk about liver churro real quick. Was oh it my filled God. with liver or I was the liver dip, just in the, dip. the dipping sauce? I don't know. I think he said it was, it was chicken filled. liver mousse is what it looks like. It chicken liver mousse oh, in but that the was, churro. But that was on top of the dipping sauce. Yeah, I think they put the... I think it was dippable. Yeah, because so, they like the churro. They churro just didn't with chicken like liver mousse, strawberry liver. sauce, and dulce de leche. So it looks like that is, if we're looking at this picture, that the liver mousse is dolloped in the middle of strawberry sauce, which is a little rough for me. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Mousse could sound lovely, but this sounds like a bad... Well, there was an amazing shot when they were like deciding on the dishes where Maria was like writing down things, and Gabe says, so we're going to do a churro... Uh, and it's, she's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then with chicken liver mousse, and she looks up as if like <laughs> she's been struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one of the worst dishes, but it was on the technically winning team. So that's another thing about this one. I said it was complicated. So the dishes were head to head. So there were losing dishes on, but then the team won, and yet the losing person had to go from the winning or from the losing team. But then the best dish overall decided the winning team in the case of a tie, which there was. So it was okay. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm going to put my reality show detective hat on and say Please. that uh, the magical elves definitely thumbed the scales on this one. Where I am, I, I'd I'd bet money that Avishar's uh, sci-fi s'more beat the unidentified Dominican object. But they were just like, we're not going to let one team sweep the first four. Right. Yeah. Mm. That'd be boring. And then. The fifth one was a toss-up between two bad dishes, and then the sixth one was a delicious milkshake versus churro with chicken liver mousse, yeah, which horrifying. is like an obvious pick. Like I think it's it purely hinged on that four, fourth one going so that they wouldn't like ruin the episode by yeah, ending it. Yeah, I think you're right. That's I had point. that thought too. I think I said that when mm -hmm. we were watching. Tom had that thought. Yeah, Tom was furious. <laughs> more s'mores, more s'mores. Yeah, that was the most I've seen Tom look mad about a decision. That's a good. That's a good point. I feel like like a, a lot of other shows when they do head to head scores and it always ends up being four three. Um, it's because they can edit them in whatever order they want. Mm -hmm. But because this is a progressive meal, they have to do it in order, which means they couldn't. Once the first three were done, they had to. In order to yeah. make it exciting, they would have to cheat. Um, have to keep going. Yeah, that's an and inter also interesting thought. I'm gonna let the uh, TV Academy know about that because that is upsetting. 
I was yelling about it from my car. They heard. They were not <laughs> convertible people heard. Yeah, they heard easily. <laughs> Uh, and also, did anyone else get the vibe that all the judges had been drinking? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't until you uh, you guys texted that you were confident that they were a little sla- sauced. And I, after that, I thought, for sure, it seemed like at least Tom was having a pretty saucy time um, and possibly Tom the rest saucy. of them all. Uh, Amar admitted as a sh- adult chef that he doesn't do vegetables. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is perfect because he was in the orchard challenge where yeah. they didn't have vegetables. That's so, so true. Like, right. He had something to That's say so about true. it. <laughs> uh, and then, like, there's like weird moments where, like, when Avishar was doing his sci fi thing, like, Gregory looked up and goes, Danny. <laughs> uh, and then Dale started, like, giggling, like, yeah. Avishar's on one, man. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to assume that they did not, that those BMWs were self driving and they didn't uh, have to drive themselves oh, home. Well, I was assuming you know maybe they drove from the entrance of the parking lot for the beauty shots and then right. they had drivers to get them back to judge's table because they're not driving those nice bmws all over very true yeah life. they're back in the crew I, van I, just, I always assume they have drivers and if it was like a cold rainy night and they had to be there for several hours like maybe they got them some cocktails yeah like they Good just idea. seemed uh, all, they, they just seemed like they were in a party mood <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, let's jump into Last Chance Kitchen and before we, and then a mailbag. So Last Chance Kitchen, uh, Jamie has been eliminated. Now, Tom has already um, done the undercooked part of undercooked chicken. So today he had to lean into the chicken part of undercooked chicken for his play. So they had, they played, guess what? Chicken with who could use the most chicken without being too chicken. The chefs chose uh, liver, oyster, skin, thigh, and inexplicably feet. Um, but fortunately, after that, they wouldn't let Tom bully them into using less time, so they gave himself, themselves 25 minutes. Really good moment of the show where Kiki seemed to realize Tom wasn't on her side in setting this <laughs> up. She's like, I don't know if Tom has my best interests at heart. I'm good with these disgusting ingredients in this short amount of time already. Um, so Kiki's foot bone, still connected to the thigh bone, um, is uh, is good, but is not. Uh, forgot to highlight the other parts of the bird. So Jamie's moose wins. So she gets to beep bop, bloop blop, deep cree, smash ding into another day. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just for you. But wasn't um, it not connected to the thigh bone? That was part of it. Oh yeah, well it was connected to the the drumstick, yeah, but not all yeah. the way up to the thigh bone. That was her issue. Is that no? So it was yeah. She. Kiki forgot that it doesn't go foot bone, thigh bone. I think that was the issue. Oh, right. That, she was a middle bone. She's like, yeah. foot bone, connected to the thigh bone. Got this. Oh, no. And then, wait, it didn't matter at all because she was just throwing the rest of the parts so she's, as well. Yeah, she and just she, didn't highlight those was the issue. She, she yeah, threw so the whole she carcass the away. Thigh bone. Yeah. But she, she didn't highlight the other parts the either. Foot, she, didn't the, the foot bone. she didn't highlight the oyster and the... Yeah, yeah that was all just in the goo. And they, I mean, yeah. Kiki was using an Ezra strate- strategy yeah. of like, you know... <laughs> with everything i'm using all the parts yeah 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 i used more parts of the chicken than anybody i used the whole chicken yeah Yeah. Uh, Yeah, i I would put extra chickens in there so it's like you double up on them yeah the whole chicken family that's all i was very serious about this i took out a farm worth of chicken for the stock i hope you're happy tom blood's on your hands (laughs) but um jamie still made the uh apparently they were both very good but they it seemed like jamie's using the chicken parts as directed she made distinct things with yeah. each of the parts by by just having that like pate of like the other parts on the toast and then different parts in the, in the sir, curry, curry yeah. soup thing. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely doing what like the challenge actually was. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, the part I really love was like when the, uh, 
I, I don't know if it was like a talking head or like in the actual last chance kitchen, but uh, Jamie going, Kiki, no, no, Kiki, no. <laughs> uh, specifically the feet, I think. Yeah, the, the feet was really upsetting to people, which I liked a lot. Um, yeah, there was, the, I mean, the, I was trying to pull this up, but I can't remember who said it in our mailbag, so I'll give them credit when I get back to it. But um, the, uh, peanut gallery in last chance kitchen is top tier this is an all-star oh, yes. level peanut gallery uh, oh no wait do you think we'll lose them when if someone gets back in the um because sometimes oh, they do a reset you're so right, you're so you know? right. They, they usually do, do. do so this reset. is so so he announced just to catch everybody up if you missed this so um tom announced that af that after next week's last chance kitchen the winner gets back on the show so next week they're going to do a double elimination and then those three chefs are going to have to cook oh. off in last chance kitchen and one will come back onto the show yeah. But wait, I don't think they'll reset the peanut gallery because it's still COVID and they still are bubbled. So like oh, they're going to have to be in the hotel anyway. So why not have them come have fun in the kitchen? So historically, they have reset the peanut gallery after they send someone in. But you're right. They don't have to. There's nothing that we've seen okay, that says that, that they have to do I mean, that. I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping that our friends will still be around. Yeah, me too. Great. That one's really just, yeah, it's just a good one. It's a good, good show. Yeah, it's really lovely. I like all of them so much. And then freaking out is was great. Um. Yeah. All right. Um. So that's exciting, though. We get one chef back. That's interesting. Yeah, we're getting a chef back. I, I'm best. I'm betting it's Jamie, I but I, I could see be wrong. Your point. Yeah. So you think that Jamie is better than any, than two likely chefs to be eliminated, basically, uh, for for next week? Well, better in a one-off competition yeah, based yeah. on the editing. I, I I think I don't think she's like obviously better i think she's as good as most of the chefs like if the bottom two are like sarah and shoda i wouldn't feel as confident mm, yeah, yeah yeah but, but yeah like, it's like I, if it's nelson or and I, i'm not even like trying to mm -hmm. like wait who it's going to be i just think like jamie is as good at like on par with like the level of competition and talent this season so like i i could easily see her coming back i could have seen like kiki or sasha coming back yeah, yeah I mean, it would be more exciting if somebody had been going four in a row. It's a lot easier for the last person eliminated to be up there. She needs two wins to get in. I also want to add um, from Facebook, Ren said that even before Tom mentioned how short the run had to be, her husband predicted uh, that Jamie would fight her way back into the competition. And I so um, good eagle eyes, a lot of good bold predictions there. Um, before we get to the rest of our mailbag, from zero to five stumps, how well did this episode showcase Portland for you? Megan, do you want to kick things off? How many stumps did you feel this episode was? Um, I would give it three stumps. Good. I think, uh, you know, at least the quick fire was definitely tied mm -hmm. in with a famous uh, tourist talking point. Uh -huh. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Portland, very, in addition to being a talking point, that Portland does have like te the, the ideal temperature and climate for roses. Right. And so, so it's the reason why they have why the city has planted so many million miles of roses and also why there's an international rose test garden where all the big rose growers go to grow roses. Yeah. So you can go walk around and lovely, look yeah. at all these different types of roses and mm -hmm. it's, it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I liked that they were at the Expo Center, even though they didn't mention where they, they were. Really, didn't really talk about it. She did say. I mean, it was cool because it was like once, something but... that we've actually done in Portland. Yeah. So I mean, it felt very Portland to me. But I there, feel like so there is a drive-in movie theater that's like an hour outside of Portland that we had never gone to, but there was not one inside in the city. And so the Expo Center, like two years ago, started doing a summer movie series that was super fun. They had like a, a DJ and games beforehand, and they had beautiful like fun snack bar and food and stuff. It was just a really cool time to hang out and watch a movie and we did that for a podcast for a couple years ago so yeah really fun yeah but yeah but yeah i guess the last challenge didn't really wasn't really portland themed or didn't really highlight portland in particular it's not a big movie town per se um yeah if they'd even involved like the portland international film festival or the competing portland film festival that is unrelated and they two hate each other that would have been fun um I I, th- I was excited about the roses because I think that is something that I well be, actually it's at first I thought well that's just one of our many slogans that from the city of Portland that is stolen from other cities because like the city's official motto is the city that works which is the official model of 37 cities in the United States um, one of the unofficial slogans is keep Portland weird which is stolen from Austin like yep. everything port like there's so many of the slogans that are just not like Bridgetown it's like one of the of the cities that call themselves Bridgetown it has the least bridges it's just not that good at slogans so I the fact that I looked this up and it really is from the 1800s that someone first called it the city of roses and it has had that title uh officially for a long time and everyone else is copying it I I but that for me that's four stumps just right there okay I'm gonna say one and a half stumps Ooh. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> with with some tood why do you why not know more stumps Carl? i mean like yeah it, it explained it like it all it told instead of showed uh it mm. just said like roses are a thing that are important to portland but didn't like it, we didn't get to see the roses we didn't get yeah. to see much of portland like they could have done that uh other than the rain like that that um oh right i forgot about that it was raining on their outdoor challenge that's perfect eh. four and a half <laughs> stumps for me but it looked like it looked like any place in America. Mm-hmm. It, there is nothing about like the places they were that felt like yeah. it expressed Portland. That's true. We're not like known as the interior of a BMW town. Yeah. Um, any uh, other any other stump thoughts? All right. Um, I think you get two stumps. I, I was also trying to find any movie that's like based in Portland, and there's not really a lot. No. That that's... I can see. Apparently, uh, my own private Idaho, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, the Idaho is very private. Well, yeah, yeah, the public Idaho is a different one. As you've been to the, everyone's been to that Idaho, but and Mr. Holland's Opus, which maybe oh, I'm not know. sure. Yeah. Wait, really? I don't know. Look, I just I looked Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. um, film set in Portland, Oregon. Maybe. Um, That's all I can say. Yeah, I mean, well, so we're gonna see Portlandia people later. Um, Portland's, you know, like everyone else, trying to compete for film industry dollars by giving them more dollars back in taxes than they make in money from it. But the um, the results so far have been pretty minimal besides Portlandia and a couple of basic cable shows and then a CW show that lasts a season. They haven't done a ton. Um, probably the biggest success show was uh, Grimm, which was not only using Portland but also set there, um, which was pretty fun um i don't know if you guys ever watched grim it's not the best show but it was like wow this is sure in portland there are a lot of a lot of murders for our town but um and they're all by like wolves and stuff but still kind of neat to see it 
Are wolves not killing as many people as they? No, should? you don't see it. You don't see a lot of wolf people doing damage in the city mostly. But also, well, you don't see them. But for every one that you. See, yeah, yeah, it's definitely like an see. iceberg for sure. Also, like there was like a giant bees killed a bunch of people. Yeah, anyway, but not a huge movie town. Real fast, I, I did confirm from Wikipedia that Mr. Holland's Opus is set in Portland, but also I really want to read this sentence from like the first uh, paragraph description. The film stars Richard Dreyfus in the title role of Glenn Holland, a dedicated high school music teacher who attempts to compose his own music while struggling to bounce his job and life with his wife and profoundly deaf son. <laughs> profoundly? <laughs> I don't know if that's a medical diagnosis or if it's just like he was. It was very meaningful that he was deaf in this case. I, I don't. It I just must, have to, be, must be medical, right? That would. That's odd. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this is Wikipedia, so it could just be someone who like really was hit by the movie. Well, <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, that child. The deafness is profound in the film. I'm sure that we're going to get corrections on this, and if we do, they will end up in our next episode. Of the mailbag. You can get in touch with us by, uh, by sending us an email podcast at readdustweep.com, also on our website on Facebook and Twitter, and probably technically Instagram. Let's jump into the mailbag and see what people have for us today. First up, uh, let's start with uh, the weekly Blaze check in. Um, so at Leprechaun on Twitter says, Did it seem like when Blaze came in during the quick fire, there was a real Jeb Bush please clap moment? <laughs> I, <laughs> Ezra felt so sad for well, him. Because like the way, look, the way Padma said it was like really like you know like like getting people hyped and like that's a tough lead in. Except I kind of think she knew that was going to happen. I think so. And well, okay, so I would just to give another possible reading, which is they know all of the the judges. He's been here a bunch of times, so it's not like. Oh, crazy! How did you manage no, to get so Richard Blaze? That's, that's like that's not his fault, though. That's, hey, like that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Okay. Good. I'm yeah. A, I'm if saying, they really loved him, they would have given him a little love. That's okay. So uh, every week, I feel like this is our like little TikTok. Is how are we feeling back and forth on Blaze? Um, was Blaze fun this week? His hair was not obnoxious. He had reasonable hair. I, I think he had like pretty good banter with Gail. Like Gail was having a good time with him. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought so. She didn't seem like it didn't seem like she was forcing it. So I got to say, if like Gail isn't mad, I'm not mad. That's a great point. Yeah, spent a lot of time with him in the car. It seemed like she was having a good time. So yeah, and I what he, he said something that made me laugh, and I can't remember what it was. Um, he had a he had a joke this time. Do you remember him? Nope. Okay. Was it about like uh, when he says like? It smells like uh, grandma's purse in here. So I thought that was fun because they had all really hated this challenge and couldn't admit it. And then that made Padma laugh, which is I think that's my one of my trackers is how the other people are reacting, just like you said. So the fact that Padma laughed at him saying it, it's like, yeah, it really does. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, yeah, I think that was actually an interesting thing about the the laughs. That's how you gauge whether it's, it's working or not, because on the um, on the judges table, I think for Jamie, um, like I think when they said like oh hey like you gave us a good story about the chicken like it was funny like the way the elves played those moments was that it was like more like eh, like a little more weak but like actually apparently it, it played well toward the judges like and True. so that's the the judge the elves can like kind of like put their finger on the scale I guess for the yeah the laugh track. no one else sold their stuff as well as she did no one else was like as actiony when di- like if Gabriel had said it's an action of dipping he was like check it out. <laughs> Like he like demonstrated action, maybe would have helped the way she really went all in on laughing at her own chicken jokes. I don't know, but I that didn't work. Elves, for her. 
Go ahead. That didn't work for Gabe's like scary, yes. uh, cocktail, like fish cocktail. A sight not for eyes, as he said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gabe had, I guess, like malarkey level uh, showmanship, but it was not enough. Um, the uh, so at joke MHS on Twitter says absolute Hall of Fame Tom facial expression during the drive-in. I've rarely seemed him seen him as irritated as when Abishar lost the voting in this round. So as previously mentioned, we've gone full conspiracy theory on that, which I appreciate. Uh, how did no one call out that like this is like Abishar going back to the liquid Graham well and like not not getting uh, uh, called out like in the way that like Sarah keeps oh, on doing yeah. yogurt. Oh. Liquid Graham is like pretty. That's that's pretty. That's a pretty you know, specific ingredient to really like you know uh, go all in on. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, that that's kind of related to the. Uh, uh, to a comment from Ren on Facebook, the nonchalant mention of Avishar working at WD-40, which I admit that I am pulling this from notes when I mentioned it before, so thanks, Ren, for pointing that out to me. Um, but Ren also said it was a strange episode overall between that and Padma's pre-filmed skits, so, which is the only generally very positive reviews of that. I think that's the only negative review was calling that st- part of a strange episode, though it's not entirely a negative, but also the judge is not agreeing on the dishes and seeing but not hearing from Dougie, it was hard to focus on the actual food. That is a great point. As our boy, our huggable friend Doug was there, former guest on the show, was That's in a car. What talking I was, about. yeah, so, so I saw, so I, I, he was, it was just like a little blip, right? He was on like one, one part of the car. There was yeah, a, he was in BJ a car, was in that car with also. BJ, who's the guy from the smokehouse that did not do well on his, when he was a Portland chef after Doug. Yeah. Dougie's not getting yeah. a lot of love on this Portland season so far, and what a what a lovely dude! I was happy to see him. He should have been in that bubble. Would have liked, yeah. Would have liked him to have been full bubble. I guess that could be it. Is he's, he's not in the bubble? They didn't get a camera in the car as long. It was just the person wandering around. Yeah. Although the I will say the so obviously we were not invited to this, which is very upsetting. Um, but also the Portlanders in the cars. I felt like did not represent the city exceptionally well either. The quotes they chose to use were pretty boring. Um, they were like, I, oh, I wish I could remember exactly the quote. So the boring, first, they're completely forgettable. Yeah, it's gone out, but it was like... The first lady was like, can you imagine being on Top Chef? You must be so nervous. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, good. yeah, great insight. Thank you for sharing that with us. She's not wrong, but I bet she just got nervous when the camera was there. Totally fair. Yes, totally fair. Incredibly stupid, and then like belch loudly if I was suddenly like being pumped for Bravo. Oh no, and then they put the dumpy tuba behind you, which is like, like all these times these Portland people burped. Yeah, I mean, it is nerve wracking. You're like at this fun time, and all of a sudden the, oh, the camera shows up in your car, and you're like, well, this is my stop, and you have to get out and walk away. Um, all right, also comment on Facebook Jane says, Am I the only one who thinks waiting until now to reveal on camera that Avishar used to work at WD 40 was burying the lead? Good point. Yeah. Um, you'd think it would have come out with the carbonated grapes. Which, right? Yeah, we should have seen more of this coming when he carbonated grapes. Anytime you're carbonating a solid, I feel like we should ask if you know Wiley Dufresne. <laughs> um, uh, Jane continues, I don't think Top Chef could have predicted how weird the Oscars turned out this year, but somehow they managed to deliver an equally bizarre viewing experience on this episode. During the walkthrough, Tom and Blaze seemed so befuddled by what the chefs were saying and doing uh, the highlight of the episode was definitely the judges shouting to each other through the car windows, though. How cool is it that Tom just calls Melissa King? Awesome. Oh, Absolutely yeah. awesome. Um, that is cool. So, related, we talked about people getting sloshed and having fun in the cars. Q&A for the panel, which judge's car would you want to experience this challenge with? And I assume she means the company, not which BMW. 
it's not a sponsored mailbag. <laughs> uh, like, I, easy answer for me is Amar and Dale because I, they might not have been drunk, but uh, it, they were high. <laughs> I, they wouldn't have been my first choices on paper, but they definitely seemed like they were having a good time. I would go, I'm having the boring answer of Tom and Padma because I love both of them so much. Yeah, <laughs> chaperone sure. over here. Would it yeah, be awkward but, to be in the backseat if they're making out, though, the whole time? Well, I don't, but they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> right, but did, but I, I didn't. wouldn't have thought they did until Tom said that, and now I suspect they Tom did. Tom said they didn't, and I, I believe Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I would just be sitting in the back, like, they would have their seats up there, and I would be, like, in the little gap in the middle, like, just... <laughs> I like the idea of like, like, so Sarah, you want to listen to some music? And he's like, okay, Papa Tom. And he like puts on like Dave Brubeck or something like that. And he's like, he's just tapping his fingers on the <laughs> steering wheel. Oh, what a lovely time. My dream. I think I would be interested in the Blaze Gale experience because I love Gale and I am on the fence about Blaze. So I would like to give him a real shot in person. Um, was was uh, Melissa with Carrie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would I be a fun that. time. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. King and Carrie. Yeah, very likable. Um, Oh, okay. So moving back to Facebook, Hannah um, had a bunch of points. And I was trying to find this earlier. I, maybe I need to better organize my notes. But this is an, a second vote against the intros. The genre intros with Padma were super awkward, but it was endearing that she looked ashamed in the car with Tom. So mostly positive reviews, but we had at least two people. So that, that be, officially becomes a controversy, na- a controversy now. So I think we've been clear, but just weigh in for me. Does it, uh, you guys liked them, right? I liked them. They seemed fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they weren't good in any, like, <laughs> dramatic sort of way. Like, she did, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. She she did, like, a bad job in a very endearing, adorable, yeah. fun-to-watch I, way. It yeah, was campy. Yeah. Campy. Yes. But it, she was aware that they were campy. She didn't think she was I making brilliant so. television. Yeah, no, no. I, I think she, she and, and look, she was game. I, I've seen, look, I've been enough, uh, I guess, like, uh, jobs where at some point someone will ask like a, a C-level person to do something stupid and like <laughs> them sort of jumping into it yeah. uh, and like uh, you know it's like hey like I, I'm okay making myself look dumb for your enjoyment uh, um, like I, 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 I was there for it I think my eyes and just my mouth was just like I just I had very very uh, yeah and the, and the first one the she took a pie straight to the face like three pies, three pies. Like yeah, three. she like that was like all, that was not half-assed. They threw a whole pie at Padma's face. That and all, like being a PA, willing to throw a pie at Padma, that seems like it might be career-ending. So very brave all around. <laughs> I think Padma has a good sense of humor about herself as an actor too, because yeah. she was in Glitter. Yeah, I'm and so like, glad you brought this up because this reminded me of her performance in Glitter. She majored in theater, guys. Oh. She just, we, Sarah and I just finished uh, her her uh, uh, memoir. memoir. Oh. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. But it's also really like good. I thought the drama and action vignettes were like genuinely like abs- like good absurd sense of humor of like you want the food, you can't handle the food. Yeah. And like the not only breaking. The only issue I had with that is that then then she would say it's action. Like if we didn't notice at that point which genre <laughs> it was supposed to be, I don't think you have it's maybe don't use it. I think But then like the way she like just wore her Adidas like uh, workout top and yeah. then like got her hair a little wet for action yeah and it goes like this mission is not impossible and then cracked a whip like indiana jones like there's the right level of just like i agree third. there's a lot going on there and i'm so glad you mentioned glitter if you for the listeners at home if you have not watched this clip in a while go find padma on glitter because her 
her job is a singer who can't sing very well and then gets outshined by her backup singer Mariah Carey and it is amazing she's so great at it and it's yeah it's very very fun so um we're taking a strong stance against the people who thought it was awkward. Um, although we also thought, because we saw how embarrassed she was about it in the Zoom call before, I think that made it much more endearing for us. Yes. Yeah, we I was excited. expecting something way worse. And right. then it happened. I was like, these are cute. And this is better than any commercial audition I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, one more controversy from this episode. So Hannah also said the head-to-head format is such a weird one because you can have a really strong losing dish, Avisar's s'mores, and a really weak winning dish like Shoda's terrifying corn dog. But since it's head-to-head, a winner could be worse than the other round's losers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and this got a bit of a, a really helpful explainer from Jane as well. Um, for a bit of brief history, when Top Chef introduced this as some tennis-themed challenge on season eight, it was played very strategically by the chefs, the teams did not have to designate an order prior to the competition. So it led to a situation where one team won overall uh, before all the battles could have played out. So they were like, and if you remember on the challenge, they were like, wait, yours is not as strong. You go now. We're going to put a weak dish up against their best dish. There was a lot of overthinking, including, if I remember correctly, Blaze being competitive when no one wanted him to be. Um, and it was not a great look. Um, we also saw shades of this in the season 10 finale. And I think all Top Chef uh, hardcore fans will still wonder what would have happened had Brooke been able to serve her dessert at the finale. So if you remember the finale of that season with uh, Brooke and Kish, we didn't get to all the dishes because she won too early, which maybe helped the elves learn their lesson that we saw here if they possibly faked it. We also saw this come back in the Revolutionary War themed challenge with the chefs having to decide who battled whom immediately after the challenge was announced. Um, and it was so it was just set up for grudge matches. Um, Jane finishes, I do like this more natural, impersonal setup this season where the chefs weren't choosing their battles or competitors, but just their themes. Um, yeah, so uh, how do you guys feel about the head-to-head format? A bunch of people mentioned that they thought it was annoying or weird. I I don't like them being on, winning dishes being on the losing side, but uh, it didn't bother me that much. I mean, it's I... fine because if yours is really good, you're not going to be the person on the team that goes home, right? Right. Right, so you have to stand next to people who lost, but it doesn't mean you're going. It in it, would, it wouldn't be possible for there not to be bad dishes on that team, so you're never going to go home. Yeah, I I like it, and I think like I like it as a TV fan. Like if you want like a meritocracy where only the best things are being celebrated, and the best chefs win, like this doesn't set you up for that. But it's I think it's very important in terms of like variety for the season because it sets up a team challenge where it's not. Like a create like everything you just described like is about creating different dynamics of uh, how you decide who cooks what, where you put your like energy as a team, where you put your trust as a team, uh, and also the, like the dynamics of like okay, if you have a team with three ace chefs and two bad chefs, is this protecting the two bad chefs or is it exposing them? Right. Uh, and puts you in a situation where like they're definitely gone. Like it it creates a lot of different dynamics. And I, I understand the frustration with like the result because it's so binary and feels unfair and doesn't like put the three best things at the top. But it's necessary for a season of Top Chef to have a challenge like this that is a completely different like s- dynamic than yeah. so many other straight-up challenges. I think probably the weirdest part of the head-to-head for me, though, was that they did it with uneven teams, so that yeah. there was a person with immunity competing against an entire team's B effort. 
Like that was a strange setup for that last dish. Yeah. Um, but also that didn't like the underhanded or the understaffed team won. They did win. That's true. Although they did not win that last challenge with the terrible dessert churro. But yeah, the only thing, this is a very, very small thing, but for me, I counted in my records for how, who had been on the top and bottom of the season. If you won the point, you were on top regardless of team. Just so I was giving, mm. so I yeah, gave them fair. credit in my own system. Yeah. I think the, the thing about like the way they structured the challenges like for a season, I think you're trying to introduce enough like chance and chaos where you can like have a little bit of a like a small chance of like some like shocking exit in some way without it being so much so many times that you're gonna like lose all of your great people to controversy like early on in the season. So it's like you're trying to balance True. maybe it's like twenty percent like you know, like uh, craziness and like eighty percent skill. Yeah. I th- yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. A um, couple more quick uh, mailbags, uh, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, just to way back in, to go back a second to movie star Padma from Doha uh, says, Hi, you all. First, let me say that your podcast brings me so much joy, and I don't give enough feedback. I'm a consistent listener, though, and I love you all. Thanks, Doha. In this Finally. latest episode, I just cannot get enough of those Padma intros. I absolutely loved them. She's such a presence. Besides Queen Padma, my favorite part was the Maria storyline. I was so worried the entire episode when she got her praise at the end. I literally cried. Aww. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, finally, this is a long time coming, but years ago, I emailed Alex about my trip to Portland. Hey, that's me. Um, about my trip to Portland, and I was blown away by the feedback and suggestions I received. I want Alex to know that we did that trip, and we used your suggestions. It was a, such a kind human thing to do for me, and I appreciate it so much. We enjoyed places like Blue Star Donuts over Voodoo and the food cart pod you suggested, and so, so much more. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Much love, Doug. Um Feels like I was just human. reading that for me, but um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Megan helped a lot, too. We definitely yeah, brainstormed yeah. on that together. You're are, a real person. Are, are we uh, are we opening <laughs> up for uh, requests? I guess for other trips to uh, I guess L.A. or the Bay Area now. In terms of like, will can, can people send send asks? Look, for if we were trips? a much more successful podcast, I might be hesitant about that. But like, yeah, go for it. If you're coming to any of these places, I will say though that if you're coming to L.A., Sarah and Kyle are going to do all the heavy lifting because we just got here and then the city closed, <laughs> so we don't know a lot. And also the surrounding areas, because we're pretty familiar with Burbank and Pasadena now. <laughs> That's true. We, uh, Sarah and I have uh, opinions about, I think, breakfast in in, uh, in the Valley, I think, is the, right. that's, our, that's our specialty, because that's where we have to meet all of our family. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we got we got some California suggestions ready for you. I'd be, I'd be open to that if you can. Um, it is also weird, because um, anywhere you go now, it's hard to give you advice. Because I gave, Sarah and Kyle, you guys drove through Portland, and I gave you my full P- Portland experience, and every single thing I mentioned was at least temporarily closed, some of them permanently. So not a lot of, it's not a good time for advice. It was just nice to chat. Yeah, that's true. Um, we uh, ended up getting pastries at a cool place. Yeah, that's true. And you, you actually went to a place that I wish I had suggested, because it was across the street from the place I actually did suggest. So that worked out good. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. Jenna says by email, sad, sad, Jamie. Hi, guys. So happy to be deep in another Top Chef season. This was the first episode where we got the judges table, and I wasn't sure who'd be going home. While Gabe was very lucky that his team won, I hope those with soggy cauliflower tots would send Gabriel home. Oh, we should mention, because we didn't say this yet, on the Zoom call, Tom also said that this was their latest, their longest judges table of the season. And we didn't actually see that on the show. They breezed through it. But he said that this was the, they were up the latest they were ever up judging. I don't think that was a statement about the length of the judging. I think it's because they had to do all that challenge and all the pickups at night at a drive-in. Uh, in, in the judges table. Okay. 
Good point. Anyway, they were up late, but so maybe they were could, just tired. It, it even may if they have, maybe it had taken a while too, and they had to talk to everybody because everyone was in. That's like, true. The and it's a huge team. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so it may not have been because it was a hard decision. It could have just been for other reasons, but still, late night. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I shouldn't. Jenna continues. I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised it was Jamie though. After her toned down, not very Jamie talking heads. Did anyone else notice she seemed pretty bummed? Some folks do a good job masking it when they talk in the episode. Uh, they have to go, but I noticed hers were off from the start. Did you guys notice that? No. Yeah, she was she was way more womp womp and less woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said. Yeah, I didn't know. I never noticed that, but that's such a good point now that we did not see her making a lot of fun sounds in her in her talking heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jenna also adds hashtag alien avishar for fan favorite. Mm, definitely. Solid vote. You mean Danny? Danny. <laughs> Danny, Danny. He's known on this planet. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> um, all right. Two more from Jordan, our restaurant correspondent. I do love the head-to-head team challenges because, you know, sports. So there's a, a pro vote for that format. Um, but Padma wins the episode for her short skits. I want a whole channel dedicated to them. So evenly divided on the mailbag. A quick uh-huh. restaurant update from Jordan. Apparently, last year, everyone had to delay their weddings and celebrations, so now they're all trying to have them at the same time. We are overwhelmed with calls about buyout events. Um, it does make money for the venue, uh, and they are easy to work, plan for, and execute, but oh my god. Or actually said, ah! Um, it's just sketchy being around 35 maskless people in an open-air place, not used to it anymore. Um, so, yeah. intense times in the restaurant industry. Get ready to go to lots of Sunday weddings this summer, friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, just what I, everybody's favorite thing is weddings that have been postponed. What a fun vibe. <laughs> um, and then lastly, from Meredith, the Keeper of the Memories. Hey, Meredith. Oh, yeah. Um, Hello, Meredith. Hey, hi, friends. You continue to be my shining light in dark times. Thank you. My ears perked up last week when you said, I don't think we've ever had a no vegetable challenge. But if you want, this is like the bat signal for Meredith. Is just saying, this has never happened before. Um, I do remember one, the first All-Stars season at the museum sleepover when Jen's team picked T-Rex carnivore. And then they all, all they had was meat and meat products to use. And she was quite vocal about the res- that restriction at judges table and then went home in episode two. So, so it wasn't that no one got vegetables. It was the herbivore car- carnivore, and the carnivores got no vegetables, which I, I was great. That was a more interesting challenge. But good memory, Meredith. Thank you for keeping us honest. Um, Meredith also said uh, official fact check behavior. I also I totally say church it up. Oh. Take that, oh, doubters. There you go. Though I usually use it as a way to tell somebody to not be so fancy with their language. You know those people who use vocab words instead of the usual words just to sound fancy. Let's not church it up is my reply to that nonsense. Uh, well, then I think it's con- contextually like like it's I'm trying to figure out the churchy adjective to use <laughs> <laughs> or adverb. Contra- but I think contextually like, relevant. Uh, yeah, I think like functionally it's the same, but contextually drastically different. Um, I'm going to give it to me. Um, okay, <laughs> Meredith ends, okay, back to vaccinating the world, and then sent us a link to the vaccine clinic in Portland that they helped set up. And so there's an article from the Willamette Week about Oregon's largest vac- vaccination site um, that is apparently a logistical masterpiece, So, um, which is a real nice humble brag meredith but apparently <laughs> the vaccine clinic at the oregon convention center um foot square foot hall um in kind of a weird no man's land is uh 
getting 1,100 people an hour through the queues and needling them with one oh, of them. So wow. Way to go, Meredith. Is, yeah. So... Uh, Meredith, right? Like, you know, basically is saving the world mm-hmm. and we are the best thing in, in like the bright spot in Meredith's day. It's we true. basically save the world. Is that like, is that what you're yeah. saying? We are, we are a one and a, we are above saving the world in terms of things Meredith enjoys. Wow. Yeah. We are above getting one in eight vaccines in the state of Oregon. That's she's less we, proud of that than about, and she enjoys that less than hearing this, this, like this mastermind. <laughs> of, uh, of That's just, true. This is the closest when people sometimes say that this, like, uh, that, that, um, this is helping people that, that comedy is important. This is the only way is if it's helping Meredith get through her days of actually doing something important. Like, I don't want to call us heroes. <laughs> We're just yeah. getting through every day, the same as everyone else. Yep. So you put, put our joggers on one leg at a time. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, we are so uh, you're so welcome, everyone who's been vaccinated in Oregon. We have <laughs> we are glad to have helped you out. If you guys have uh, any more uh, information for the mailbag corrections that no one has to feel bad about, if you want to side with me in any argument we've had, please send that along. Podcast at read-weep.com, also Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And especially if you've done anything that saved as many people or more as Meredith, please send us a link to the article. We'd love to hear about it. And we will talk more about it all next week. Um, wow, this is weird. I don't think we've had to do this in a while, but um, I'm going to eliminate Chris in absentia. Yeah. I feel like he didn't even comp- he didn't fill the brief. He wasn't even yeah. here for the podcast today. I mean, this is fitting. Like a lot of times, I don't feel like he deserves to be eliminated, but right. I have to agree. He did not put any effort into this today, but a uh, real good chance of coming back next week. This, next week, he can get out of Last Chance Podcast. He has to beat out two other Chris's, though, if I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's a double Chris elimination next week. It's going to be rough, but we'll see if he can do it. Um, all right, we will talk to everybody next week. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Ezra and Sarah. Yep. Yep. And other Sarah and Kyle, thanks for, so much for relaxing with us. Great seeing you. you so, it was so good to see you in the parking lot with security and everything. Yeah, it was really fun until we broke the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Some someday we will hang out in a place where it's legal and that'll be really exciting. All right. Take care. Oh, Megan, thanks Hello. for podcasting with me. Thank you. And Goodbye. I also saw you in the parking lot. Yeah. It was great. All right, we'll Break talk to you too. We'll talk to everybody <laughs> next week.